We're talking worlds this time on My Weightlifting Coach, the podcast. Hi, Jim. How are you? Okay, here we are. I'm, I'm fine. So, how were the world championships? Well, they were spectacular. I uh, didn't know what to expect because in the United States, you know, weightlifting is not a major sport. But uh, this was put on as if it was a big-time major event. It was fantastic. Uh, it was it was put on to the level of uh, of Olympic uh, uh, production. It was fantastic. And you were saying to me that you thought it was one of the best. Right. I've I've been to thirty world championships, and there are a lot of been a lot of good ones. And this one was the best, or at least as good as any. That you know, I could argue with anybody that's as good as any. It was great lifting, great venue. What made it kind of unique was that the athletes, uh, there was a, a convention center attached to the Hilton Hotel. So the athletes stayed at the Hilton Hotel. Just, they could just walk to the competition hall. The training hall was right there, just down. You know, everything, was, everything was self-contained. And uh, it was just, uh, you know, all brand new, a lot of space. There were so many uh, vendors, you know, trying to sell there, you know, selling different things there, which is good. You know, get all these... Uh, uh, people trying to you know make uh, make a buck off weightlifting, which is good. Now that we've got so many people weightlifting, you can make a dollar off it. You know some of the barbell companies and apparel companies and uh, belts and shoes and knee knee bands and all these things. You know weightlifters are, are buying them up, and so uh, there's there's money to be made in weightlifting. So that's why these vendors came out to try to sell their their stuff, and that added to the event. And they brought you know thousands of people, and although the crowd uh, weren't <clears throat> maxed out. It was a big, I think the, the, the arena seated about 3,000 people and probably may have gotten 2,000 max at one, you know, for the super heavyweights. Yeah, what a competition that was, huh? Oh, that was big, big surprise. Uh, you know, I thought this guy Lovechoff or uh, the Russian boy would win, uh, but I didn't realize he had set a world record. Neither did he. He was quite surprised himself. And that's, <laughs> that's amazing that you know, he, he broke his personal clean and jerk. His, burst, his personal clean and jerk at that going into the competition was 257, and then he does 264 here. So that's, uh, you know, that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> yeah, and that was some jump. He went up like 12 kilos on that last yeah, lift. Yeah, yeah, because he won on his, on his second attempt uh, clean and jerk. He won, so then he goes, what the hell, go, go for broke, you know. And usually when guys go for broke, they don't, they don't make it. There are a lot of attempts throughout the championships where, People might have won, or they're just going for a world record, and they and they didn't do it because it was just too much. But this guy came through and made it with no problem. And what other weight classes struck you? Uh, well, the uh, the women's uh, seventy five kilo weight class was very impressive because of the Korean woman who injured her leg on her injured her hip, I think, on her final attempt snatch, and she came out and cleaned. You know, she'd limp out for her clean and jerk and make the clean and jerk, and then fall down and. Her coach had carried her off the platform, and then she had limped back up to the, the platform and make the make the second attempt and fall down and come off and and it was very very you know uh, you know everybody's thinking oh that poor girl gosh she, you know what what cruelty to send her back out there but the, you know they, she wanted to go out there and and I understand that you know when you're at the World Championships or the Olympics or anything like that this is it you you know you, there's no tomorrow so you you just keep going as long as you can keep going so I I didn't feel that she was doing the wrong thing by going out there and I don't, we don't know the extent of her injury, but uh, she was, uh, you know, uh, hobbled. She came up for the award ceremony, and her competitors helped her up to the podium because she couldn't quite walk up to the podium herself. But 
she attempted the weight that would have, would have won the class for her, and she cleaned it and missed the jerk, and it was so that that was you know uh, very very motivational and inspirational, uh, and uh, you know they look kind of sad because oh this poor girl going out there, but hey she's an, an athlete she's going for the you know this is the world championship she's trying to win it so she was giving it all she had. Yeah, that that was amazing. Um, I you know I saw that live, and and just every time she came back out there, I, I just thought to myself, "What guts!" Yeah, what guts! And and you know it, it hap- that happens in sports. You see it lots of times when uh, people play hurt, and it's because you know people think, "Well, you, you know, you should drop out." But it's not like football where you get a concussion, concussion, you're going to be brain damaged. So she's going to have some hip or knee. We don't. Nobody really quite knows what the injury was because they. The North Koreans wouldn't let the U.S. doctors examine her. They just took care of her themselves. And mm. uh, so we don't know the extent of her injury. But, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a, either a hip or a knee or, or a thigh or something. We're, we're not sure. And what about the American team? What impressed you? What were some disappointments? Well, uh, well we had some very good performances. Uh, Alex Lee set five U.S. records. And... Uh, and placed, uh, I don't know what it's placing right now, but they you know, placed up there pretty high. And um, then, um, uh, let's see, uh, Jenny Arthur in the women's division, the 75-kilo class, she placed very, she set uh, at least two American records and placed pretty well. She had a very good day for herself. And um, Sarah Robles did really good. She uh, uh, had personal records and was going for American records, which were just out of her reach this time. But she placed, I think, sixth, and she was uh, very high placing. And um, the disappointment was it was Kane Wilkes, who apparently he's got uh, injured his back. But Kane Wilkes has done well in the last three national championships and goes to the worlds and doesn't do as well as he has done. But uh, if he hangs in there, he'll put it together one of these days because he's a good lifter and a good competitor and a good guy. And he just has to stay with it and hopefully that he can get a string of. Uh, training sessions before the next big event where he's not uh, not injured so you think it looks promising coming into well the next worlds or the next olympics well we got three women for the olympics and we'll probably get one man at the uh, pan-american games and pan-american championships excuse me we have that event coming up i'm not sure the date right now but uh that's coming up in the in, in the spring i think and that's where we'll learn earn one slot for our men and um you know, uh, it's a shame that just one man and, and three women. And what's really a shame about the Olympics is that we only have 270 slots for all, for all the countries in the world, men and women. And it's just a shame because our sport has grown so much. I mean, at this particular con- uh, competition, there were 98 different countries. That was a record. We had 609 lifters uh, uh, entered. And uh, these are, you know, our sport has grown tremendously, and yet we don't get any more room in the Olympics. And that's kind of a shame. Because uh, you know it just cuts out a lot of people who are missing out on the Olympic uh, the Olympic Games. Yeah, that's the thing. I think a lot of people don't realize is they're competing at the Worlds, but they're also competing for future slots. Right. So, so like China and Russia and uh, um, Kazakhstan and uh, some of these other there, the top the top performing countries, they get the you know the six slots for men and four slots for women. So. Uh, then, then they just go down the ranking list, and so U.S. got three slots for the women and uh, none for the men. But we'll get one at the Pan American Championships. But it's a shame we don't have, you know, more men uh, competing at the Olympics from U.S. Yeah, that is a shame. Yeah. Um, do you think the what's the difference? I mean, of course, is the four-year cycle, but 
is it more difficult to produce at a Worlds than an Olympics or vice versa? Uh, well, uh, you know, the Olympics, uh, with the Worlds, there's, always, there's, there's three World Championships and one Olympics every four years. So with the Worlds, you get, you know, you get a couple of sh- attempts to, uh, you know, do well. But at the Olympics, it's a one-day one, one shot. You know, one, one day in your life, you get to do, you see if you can be a, an Olympic medalist or, or perform to your best at the Olympic Games. So the Olympic Games is really a, an all-or-nothing for, for some people. It's a one-time deal. That's what makes Piros Dimas and Kakashvili and Miyayim Sulemanoglu such uh, incredible athletes that they did it three times. Yeah, that's a, yeah. That's a, well, most people, you know, get in all sports, they get one Olympics in their lifetime. And uh, so those that get two and three or those that win medals in two and three, that's just incredible. Those are incredible athletes. Speaking of Peros Demos, was he at this year's world? Yes, yes. Yes, he's uh, on the IWF executive board. And so he was there and he's very popular by every, you know, everybody now with their cell phones, everybody stopping and taking pictures with him. And he and probably Lydia Valentin were probably the most popular people for getting their pictures taken. And uh, of course, unfortunately, Lydia did not lift because she apparently had an injury. So she weighed in, but didn't lift. And that was a big disappointment because everybody, she's a very a big favorite of the American, uh, well, just about everybody around the world. Uh, they, they like to watch Lydia because she's, you know, the blonde, uh, attractive, strong woman, you know, it's kind of, kind of, you know, uh, she's attractive and, and, and very popular. Yeah, there was just an article uh, in the Guardian UK about CrossFit, uh, about yes. how you know strength is sexy. Yes, yes, yes. Well, and you know that, and that's and that's a, a real positive thing that you know from probably seventy five kilos down, the women are very attractive. They got great physiques and bodies, and they're muscular and they're attractive and all that. And where years ago, you know, it was it was unattractive for women to look athletic or muscular, but now. Uh, the athletic muscular look is, is in thanks to CrossFit and, of course, weightlifting. And so you see a lot of these, these lifters, you see them up on the stage and they look fantastic. And you see them in person, they're not as big as they, they look up on stage underneath the lights. You know, they look very, very normal. And so, yeah, that article on CrossFit was, I mean, in The Guardian, it was very interesting that, uh, you know, strength is beautiful and that's, that's, that's a, a good thing. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a nice positive step. Because it's a sport that has different weight classes, whereas... Many other sports out there, from gymnastics to uh, swimming, there's no weight class. You know, you have to go. You know, if you don't have the right body, you're out of luck. If you're a big girl and you want to be a gymnast, well, you're just not going to make it. Gymnastics is for small, very small girls. And if you're a, a real big girl, uh, you're not going to really probably make it. And well, if you're t- if you're tall and lanky, you could be a, a volleyball or a water polo or basketball things like that. But if you're big and stout, well, then weightlifting is is it, and or shot putting or discus throwing. Yeah, yeah. The the body type thing is is a limiting yeah. factor in a lot of sports, but right. in weightlifting, yeah, it gives you room. Right. In lifting, we have, uh, we have seven weight classes for women and eight for men, so you can go where your body body type goes. Like I, I went at the World Championships, I call the one hundred five kilo class. I call that the linebacker class because those boys will be playing linebackers in the United States, and, uh, and the super heavyweights, I call that the offensive lineman class because those boys will be offensive linemen. You know, they're, they're big. Yeah. And Oh yeah. And how did you spend your time? I, you were doing some journalism as well, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I, I write for my little magazine. In fact, I'm I'm uh, writing that article as soon as I finish with talking to you. I've got to get back and finish my article and get it in the get it out to uh, Milo by Monday. And uh, so, so I, I was busy. All you know, there was so much lifting that I, I 
I don't want to miss any of it, if, if possible. So I tried to watch every session, and then I got, one day I was the, the day of the seventy sevens. I was I just got tired, and then the seventy seven B class was coming up. I said well, I'm going to have to go miss that because I got to go have a nice dinner because I've just been snacking for about three days, you know, and not having a real meal. So I missed that. I missed the seventy seven B session for the first time in thirty years or so. And wouldn't you know it? Some guy sets a junior world record. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody, Sleeping you know, on the job, are you? Yeah. Well, no, I was eating. I went to get some. But, but <laughs> then, so it was. So it went from the, the competition went from approximately eight thirty in the morning to midnight. Wow. Day. Yeah. So you know, I yeah. so, I, so so then I just had to stop taking in some of the D sessions and and like that. I tried taking all taking all the A and B sessions except I did miss the one B session, and then I take in the C sessions where there were. Uh, U.S. lifters or Canadian lifters or people that I Irish lift people that I knew I would uh, make sure I watch them lift and encourage you know cheer them on. Yeah, speaking of people you you know, uh, who did you run into? Um, people you hadn't seen in a while, maybe. Uh, well, uh, just you know, my Irish friends who I, I see from time to time. Uh, Canadian, oh yeah, ran into some uh, Larry Mather, a Canadian good old uh, Canadian coach that uh, you know uh, we. You know, haven't seen each other in I don't know how many years, and then a few other coaches and people I hadn't seen for years and years, and, and then you know, Tom Nguyen showed up, uh, and so many U.S. lifters, Rich Shuts. So it was like a reunion of uh, U.S. people that showed up, and I was disappointed in some of the people that didn't show up that were kind of close. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, you know, I didn't see Jim Napier or, or some others. Uh, Sammy Walker wasn't. I understand people might have had other things going on because it was the. Uh, um, Thanksgiving weekend holiday for us, you know, so yeah. some people couldn't make it, but uh, it was it was great to run into uh, people I hadn't seen for years. Like, and unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to talk to a lot of them uh, long enough because it was just it was, it was just it was really busy. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, and speaking of uh, Tom Nguyen, uh, you coached him at the Olympics, and I think at the Worlds. Yeah, yeah. yes, he was. Uh, Tom Nguyen was the first Vietnamese. American to make an Olympic team, a world team, and uh, maybe the first. Uh, and I always, I, I, uh, he's the first new one. And that's N G U Y E N. I tell him he's the first new one to make the make the Olympics, and it's a very common name in uh, the, uh, Vietnam. So there's a lot of new ones now making the world teams and the Olympic teams. But Tan was the first one. And then does that bring you back to the days when you were coaching? Do you you know athletes at that level? Do you oh, miss yeah. it a bit? Is it yeah, you know a walk yeah. down memory lane? Yeah, I always wish I you know I wish I could get one more. You know, it takes. I coach a lot of people right now, but uh, I don't have anyone as talented as Ton or Mario Martinez or Giselle Shepparton. I have people that are pretty good, but no one to that level of talent. And so it would be nice to get another one of those again, but uh, or or two. You never know. But so I'm still coaching, and 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 if that happens, it happens. But if it doesn't. Uh, I've had a heck, I had a heck of a run, you know, 10 Olympians and I got seven people in the USA hall of fame. And so I've got, uh, I've had a heck of a run, so I got no complaints, but, uh, I do. And I do, when I see some of these lifters up there from the U S doing this, I wonder how I could, if I could help that person be better. You know, for example, like Kane Wilkes, uh, if I would, if, if I was training him, would I have, uh, trained him so that he wouldn't get hurt? Cause maybe he just went a little too hard, too long. That's one of the things that I do real well is, know how to bring people to their best performance at the biggest meet and how to back them off. And sometimes people think, well, I'm not training very hard. I'm not training hard enough. I go, no, well, there's times when you got to back off and just you're better to go into a, a competition under-trained than over-trained because if you're over-trained, you got no chance. But if you're under-trained, 
you've got that reserve, um, you've got a chance of pulling it out. Yeah, you could you could make a move. Yeah. You could step up yeah. a bit, maybe. Yeah, yeah but 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 I, but what I mean by undertrained is I just mean that you're at peak performance, but you're not beat up. You're not worn out. Because if you're over if you're overtrained, you know you've had great training lists, but you go up to the competition and you're tired, you're sore, the weights are heavy. That's overtrained. And so I've got the real good at making sure people don't go to the championships in that uh, condition. Yeah, I, I always tell lifters, if you walk onto the platform and you feel like you can't make the lift or you're not going to be dynamic, then what are you doing? You know, you should yeah, walk yeah. out there and be ulti- you should have the ultimate confidence. You should feel right. great. Yes, and I, that's why I tell a lot of my lifters it's better to walk out of the gym thinking you could lift more than proving you couldn't. That's so I try to train people so that I take them up to a certain point and I, and I can... By, by this takes years of experience. Uh, by watching them lift, I go, okay, well, this, we're going to stop here. Maybe you could do a little more, but if you miss it, you're going to feel bad, and and maybe you'll injure yourself. So we're going to back off just a little bit. And that's that takes years of experience of watching a lifter lift to know when to back them off and when to step on it. Yeah, because nobody wants to think that they can't lift more. It's right. just such a basic thing. I, I just want to go hot, you know lift something yeah. heavier. I, I want to show myself to be stronger, but you, you can't always do that. No, no. So overall, um, how would you rate this U.S. team? Well, uh, you know, I, I really haven't. I'm, let's say I'm writing my article on Milo, and I'm, I'm doing right now. I'm covering the uh, the winners, and then I'll uh, go back and I'll cover the U.S. team. Uh, and I haven't really analyzed it, but uh, I think they did pretty well. I mean, let's see. Uh, uh, like I say Jenny Arthur set some records, and uh, Alex Lee, uh, anybody else set some records? Uh, I, I think uh, Maddie Rogers had a really good day. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I have to go back and look at the results. Yeah, yeah. for the men, there was uh, the 56 kilo lifter uh, Cummings, I think. No, no, he's uh, 69 kilo, and he 69. Yeah, okay, yeah, he's 69. He attempted. A youth world record of 174 kilos, and he cleaned it and missed the jerk. And uh, that was uh, he had such a his opener was 166, and then he went weighted out for that 174, and there was a long wait. So he just got, I think he just cooled off. But uh, he, he's a he, he's a real talent, and so we're he was the youngest person competing at the world championships at age 15. There were a couple others that were maybe 16 or 17, but. He was the youngest, and he, he, he didn't do as well as he's done in the past, but he still he did, he did okay. Yeah, at 15. Yeah. That's really young. And how about internationally? I, I think the medals basically won as expected. I think China dominated. Well, the uh, Russia was up there. Yeah, the Chinese women dominated. Uh, Russia was fantastic. Uh, but the Chinese men, they had three bomb outs. It was like, wow, how'd that happen? Even with their three bomb outs, they still scored enough points to get a full team of six men for the Olympics. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Lou, the 77-kilo guy, that was a big surprise. 201 kilos, he cleaned it three times like it was nothing and did his squat jerk, and and he just couldn't. It wasn't in the right spot, and he missed it three times. Bombed out. Yeah, and I, I was it the one hundred five kilo class uh, that just seemed to they were missing like seventy percent. Yeah, yeah, the one hundred five uh, they were missing all their snatches, making just one snatch, and then the you know the, the Belarusian guy pulled it out with his second cleaner jerk of two thirty, 
And uh, so, you know, they came back. They came back and they did well in the clean and jerks. But yeah, their snatchers—they were missing them like crazy. What do you chalk that up to? Is it just that they're going too heavy, or? Well, it, it's it's that, or it's uh, you know because of the competition. Sometimes you get a whole bunch of lifters around the same weights. Uh, that's a little unnerving because generally when they're where they're competing, they're their top dog. But now they come to the world championships and they're all top dogs, and so they're all taking the same right around the same weight. So the the pressure and the nerves uh, can get to them as well as the the, the um, you know somebody's got to wait a long time between attempts because they're all taking the same approximately the same weights. And yeah, then we talked just, about. That, and uh-huh. then it works. That's the way it is. Sometimes one comp, one class will be everybody will just be making all their weights and have, going like crazy, and the next weight class they'll be missing all their weights. And it's just, it's just like in sport, like a baseball pitcher. You can't pitch a no hitter every game. You know, he goes on pitch no hitter one game, and then next few games he's just back to normal pitching his six or seven hitter. Yeah, six for six is uh, something you can do locally, but probably at a world's. Uh, oh, there, there, were, there was a. Yeah, the uh, uh, 77 kilo guy. I think he went to uh, six for six. The guy that eventually won was at 85. And anyway, there were there were a couple six for sixes there, and there and there were some sessions where everybody was making. There was one day session where I think there was like 13 or 14 snatches in a row made. You know, that's that's pretty impressive. How much do you think that the Russian doping scandal might have factored into this world? Were, were there some lifters, well, some countries that might have said? back off or don't lift or well that, that's that's a real good question you know the the uh, doping issue in uh, weightlifting is such a uh, a mystery because you know these guys are passing their drug tests but they sure look but they're lifting the same weights that they lifted when they were getting popped on their drugs you know several lifters were here who have come off suspension and are lifting the same weights they lifted when they got suspended and so you think well you know what's that about? How are they? Are they? Are they not taking drugs now, or are they just beating the test? You know, and you know, I have three three things about. Uh, or actually, maybe it's four things on the drug issue. Number one, clean is they've never taken drugs. Two is uh, not taking them now, and three is passed the drug test. And number four, eventually gets popped. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, it's it's um it's it's just a, a shame that we have some of these uh, men and women that, that are doing some extraordinary lifting and we, and we would like to think that they're natural, but, uh, you know, we just, our sport has a bad reputation like cycling, you know, it's, we're dirty, we're yeah. unfortunate. So they, they always talk about don't take drugs, don't take drugs. But, um, uh, then these guys are winning championships and getting big rewards back home. So, you know, for some of them, it's worth it to take the drugs, I guess. But some of them, you know, like the poor old Bulgaria, you know, they've, they're, team does not get to go to the Olympics this year. They've been suspended yeah. from the Olympics. And, and I'm thinking, I guess they figure that if they don't take the drugs, they have no chance, and they might as well take them. And if they get caught, well, well you know, that, so be it. Because there were several Bulgarians lifting at this World Championships, and they were in the C and D sessions. So I guess they've, they, found, they made sure they sent some really clean weightlifters, and, they, and the real, really clean ones were, were not so good. Yeah, that that uh, country has really been hit. Yeah. I mean, when you think back of the '90s and yeah. maybe late '80s, I mean, they were dominant. It was Greece, it was Turkey, it was you know Bulgaria, and now they they can't really produce anyone. Turkey really didn't have a good showing. They, they had one lifter that got a gold medal in the snatch. That's right. Yeah, I think it was 69 kilo. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. You got the gold medal in the um, snatch. 
but yeah, it's it's. I think we're getting a bit more honest. Would you say? I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so it seems you know, like you know, the countries that were really dominant, like say Greece for a while. Well, now that they're clean, they're not so dominant anymore. And with the Russians uh, and the Cossacks, uh, you know, because we all wonder, well, why wasn't Ilya Ilya there? You know. Yeah, I, uh, I thought that too. But and and then same with their with their. Uh, 53 women, uh, Sophia, whatever her name is, uh, you know, she's got the sort of a Chinese name. She's anyway, she's a 53 Olympic champion. She wasn't there either. So, you know, we, we wonder what the deal is. And, uh, you know, it's, it's such a shame that if Ilya Ilian has, has always been clean, well, uh, that's great, but we don't believe it, you know? Yeah, that was something that I, I you want to see that person, you want to see him compete at a world championships yeah. all the time. Yeah. And I saw he was saying, you know, that basically I need to take a cycle off and get ready for the Olympics. And that could very well be true. But the shame about the sport sometimes is that it leaves you thinking those other thoughts. Yeah. 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 And, there's, and of course, when we wonder how that, you know, because of the Russian uh, track and field scandal, well, we felt that's been going on with the weightlifters for years where they uh, have a, a program to make sure that their lifters are are strong and that they pass the drug test. And so the super heavyweight that clean and jerk to 264 kilos, you know, I mean, I'm, so far we haven't heard if there's been any drug positives at the worlds. And, I was going to say that. Yeah. And so I, I wonder if there will be any, I mean, there, we, we know that the urine samples were collected and we know that they were sent to a legitimate lab. So that means that there's no drug positives at this world. That means everybody came in with, with, uh, you know, they were clean when they lifted. And so if this guy, you know, came in and, and lifted that 264, you know, probably two or three weeks clean. That's pretty impressive. Damn impressive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then, uh, like, yeah, I was yeah. surprised there's been no positive announcements or anything. Yeah, yeah. And Tatiana, the, the Russian woman, she was down a little bit. She looked like, well, maybe she was clean. <laughs> you know, she was off her, her vitamins, so to speak. But she didn't look <laughs> yeah, yeah. as good. In Kazakhstan, she looked like she could clean and jerk 200 kilos, and that was kind of the talk. Everybody thought they were going to see the first woman clean and jerk 200 kilos. I think she only did 185. Uh, but, uh, you know, then it was, you know, big talk. She's, you know, everybody thinks she's going to, you know, because last year she was so so dominant and so impressive. People thought she'd be doing 200, but she's never never done more than 195, she says, she claims. That's always, a, you know, a sign for me when, when someone is producing lifts and then all of a sudden they can't produce those lifts or come yeah. close to those lifts it, it just says to me that there, there's something more going on here yeah, yeah now to bring you back on the domestic front after the world's uh american open yeah we we had over 950 lifters entered i don't know how many showed up i haven't tallied that up yet but um it was uh i wouldn't say we probably had at least 850 and that was an unbelievable we had four platforms for competition, and we had 24 platforms in the warm-up room, and uh, every, you know, all outfitted with with good equipment. Everybody had to, you know the same equipment that they're lifting on. They were able to warm up on. Uh, there was a training hall uh, that was, you know, for training, and it was, it was unbelievable. It was like a world championship in terms of uh, the organization and the setup. It was fantastic. Uh, we had we had uh, hundreds of volunteers. And thousands of spectators. It was uh, amazing. Uh, 
it was a lot of work. I'm still was still tired because I'm officiating, I'm coaching, I'm you know watching. Uh, you know, I like to watch the, the sessions that I'm not working, and uh, so it was it was great. Uh, it went very very well, and it went well because we had uh, plenty of officials and. Uh, there's a couple of clubs in the area that rounded up all the volunteers. I, it was very impressive. That was something that a lot of people talked about, though. Was is there too many lifters? Well, that, that, right. See, this this so therefore the the uh, D sessions were pretty, you know, pedestrian. They were like local lifters, you know. Uh, and there's some people. This was their second contest because uh, they they were able to qualify and get into it and. and and so the downside is, yes, that's too many lifters, too many lifters that really weren't qualified for a national championship or, or weren't, weren't worthy of a national championship, but they were there. They got a lot of enthusiasm because these people are all stoked. I mean, the fact that people want to spend $1,000 to come to the national championship and place dead last, knowing they got as high as they could place might be second to last, that was very impressive that people came out with their families and you know, they spent a lot of money traveling out there to go to this this uh, national championship. It was very impressive, but it's it's not practical. It really it, the standard was too low for the the D sessions, even the C sessions. You know, the A and B sessions were were legitimate, but the C session was not good. And the D's, uh, I mean, they're, they're good lifters. They're good. They're high level local lifters. They're not really national level lifters. And uh, but then again, you know, I, I think it was very financially successful. So that's a, a another thing when when you want to go on put on competitions, you go to a convention center or a hotel or a city and say, well, look, we're going to bring in X amount of lifters. They're going to bring in X amount of family. That's going to be you know, a big economic impact. And so that's why we were in Reno. That's why we were in Las Vegas, because we were in these places when it's their downtime. So they, so we can mm-hmm. get, we can go there and get a good deal on, on hotels and convention centers. So weightlifting always kind of has to go, you know, we can never do one in San Francisco because there's no downtime in San Francisco or New York. In fact, we did one in New York. We had a nationals in New York in 2002 uh, because New York was bidding for the Olympics. And then we had one in 2009 in Chicago because they were bidding for the Olympics. So when you get a city that's bidding for the Olympics, then they'll spend the money to make it possible for weightlifting to uh, come to that town. But basically, we have to go to communities where there were uh, prices are so much cheaper. I mean, when you go, when you get, imagine going to Chicago or New York, and they, they had the hotel rooms down to like $100 a night for us, you know, when these are like $300 a night normally. And same in in in, uh, uh, in Houston. We were staying in the, the Hilton and the Hyatt and all these great hotels, $125 a night for two people. That, you know, that's you know, $65 each. I mean, it was, uh, you know, half price. And that's because otherwise there'd be nobody there. So... That's why we were in Houston, and same in Reno. We got a good deal because if we're not there, guess what? No one's going to be at that hotel that that weekend. Yeah, so it's economics, of course. Yeah, so, that's so that so plays so a that, role. Yeah, so that so there so therefore that comes back to well, how, what's a good number to have? What's a good you know you don't uh, eight hundred fifty is a little too much. Is four hundred good? I think I think maybe two platforms and four hundred would be actually. I, I'd like to see one platform and you know, 200 lifters at the nationals and maybe two platforms and 400 at the American open, something like that. Maybe it just means there's room for some sort of offshoot competition. Well, that's, there's, there's talk about doing regionals and, you know, kind of like the CrossFit. Has there you regional. go. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that, and that's, we used to do that years ago. We used to have like a, the, the golden West out here and there was the mid Atlantic and there was the, uh, uh, I forget the one in Chicago was called. There was, there's, there's a four, the South, the, the, 
Middle Atlantic and uh, I forgot what the one was in Chicago was called. So, uh, but we so had four four meets going on at the same time, and uh, then they were qualifying. There was drug testing, uh, and and that that was that could work uh, again, I think. But we need to yeah, why we need why to get not? organized I mean, on it because this year they they tried a regional meet, but what it was was a special qualifier. And just just off a lot of people because. Uh, hey, how come I don't get to do a regional meet? There's a regional meet in Kansas, but there's not a regional meet in the West Coast. Not a regional, and this was, and they called it a regional championship. But you, if you wanted to qualify, you had to go to that. You go there, you know. So you have a regional meet. You should have West Coast, uh, East Coast, uh, Southeast, uh, Midwest. And you have to have break it up into uh, regions according to <clears throat> according to uh, weightlifting populations. I think. Yeah, definitely. You just can't have a regional meet in one location. Yeah, Expect right. everyone to travel there. That's the yeah. whole. And, and I think a lot of athletes are used to that because in high school you have sectionals, divisionals, yeah, yeah, regionals. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a normal prog- you know progression. Yeah. Um. Okay. So where does this leave you at the end of the year? What are you looking forward to? Well, right now, this weekend, uh, we have uh, our Pacific Weightlifting Association annual meeting to do the schedule because I'm scheduling. I'm, I'm real busy doing these coaching courses, which I really, really enjoy, plus it pays for my weightlifting habit. And uh, uh, then so I want to balance out coaching courses with competition, so we're going to do, do the schedule because it's coming up this year. We've got uh, the National Juniors, which I'll go to, the National Championships, Olympic qualifiers I'll go to, and of course, the Olympics, and then the American Open. So there's four big events that I'll plan on. Then there's the, the, the local ones like the Golden West and the Pacific Association Championships and the Northern Cal and a few others. But um, there's so many competitions I, this, this year. I've got to, I can't make them all. I've got to, you know, it, it can be going every weekend, and that's just uh, wears you down. Not productive. Can't can't do it anymore. Yeah, not so, not practical. Yeah. So so I've got so so what I'm looking for in 2016 is uh, the 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 local, about four or five local meets, maybe six at the most, and then four national and one international, and then about a dozen coaching courses. So Okay, um, a dozen. You know, wow, so that's uh, one every well, month. Well, yeah. yeah, or two some months. In. And I've already got four lined up uh, on the bo- in the books and uh, people asking for others. And so this is kind of cool. I, since I'm not coaching high-level lifters, I'm out there coaching coaches and kind of letting them know my experience and, and a little bit about what I know and you know so it's it's really cool I really enjoy that and so I used to be the trainer of champions now I'm the trainer of coaches. There you go. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. No, not at all. Not at all. So also in, in 2016, I, I've you know I've got uh, you know I write for Milo magazines. I got all these articles I just need to put together in a book. It's time I put this thing together and have the you know my book out there. Yeah, yeah, you should. Uh, yeah. So you said you're going to write something for Milo for the world. So you're going to sum right. it up. I, I, yeah, I've been doing a, a write. Yeah. Yes. What's your next for training? Any ideas for your next training uh, article? I got one is going to be uh, lifting drills. Uh, ah. You know, uh, com- you know com- combinations and complexes things that I do. I mean, I, I I've got what I call the the Miyaki. Uh, it's where you. Uh, the Miyake snatch I pull. Have I told you that one? Yeah, yeah, but, I did that yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's right. It's where I pull that. You know, anyway, things, things like that. And I've got uh, now. I'm what I'm going to call the, the Anatoly Karpate. You know, name him after famous weightlifters. That uh, Yoshinobu Miyake did the exercise that I named after him. 
the one I named after Capate. I don't know if he did it or not, but he was such a great lifter. I thought well, I'll just name it after him because this guy he never missed a snatch. So, and basically <laughs> the Capate is power snatch from the floor, squat snatch from the thigh, squat snatch from the floor. It's a triple. It's a, it's a technique uh, exercise. And what about Christmas, New Year's? What are your plans? Well, family. Yeah, just you know, like uh, I guess in fact I got to tell my sister I'm coming over here for Christmas. I, I because of the, you know the world and then the, the American Open. I have kind of lost touch with my family. I've been so busy on the go, and when I come home, I've got to catch up on you know my people that I train and coach here. And plus, I've moved my my gym to another area in the same gym, and so I still haven't got all all that all organized. So. I, you know, I'm 70 mm. years old and I'm busier than ever can be. I don't know whether I'm busier than ever or it just takes me longer to do the same amount of work. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's what we want. We want to keep you busy. Uh, so you're still in physique magnifique? I'm still there. Or yeah. no? Yeah, yeah. okay. And, uh, um, and so I just want to say have a good Christmas, good New Year. I guess I'll talk yeah. to you after the first. Yeah, well, of course, you know, yeah. I, I tell people, you know, Santa Santa Claus was a Turk, you know. Yeah, yeah. They, oh, yeah. everyone's a Turk if you ask a Turkish no, no, person. No, no, no. When I was in Antalya <laughs> a few years ago, we went up to this yeah. little community, and this is where the Santa Claus story started because there was this guy that used to, who had a beard and wore red and all that stuff, and he would put stockings by people's uh, uh, fireplaces with, with little presents in them. He would go out to the poor people and put the stockings uh, at their fireplace. And so... Santa Claus is was was a Turk. Well, hopefully that. he'll he'll visit me. I hope yeah, Saint, so. Saint Saint Nick Saint Nicholas he he was he was from the north, but Santa Claus was from Turkey. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> okay. no, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> all right, Jim.